Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Janie Grenny and Kyle Duland. Janie and Kyle are co-founders of WomenG Properties and STR Properties. They are based in Canada and have become financially free by the age of 30 by investing in U.S. real estate. They invest in a number of real estate asset classes, including multifamily, mobile home parks, and uh, short-term rentals. So thanks so much for you guys being on the show today. Thank thanks. you for having us. Absolutely. We're excited to be here. We're excited to bring as much of us to you and your audience as we possibly can in the short time. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, these um, you have a very interesting story. You guys were financially free by the age of, I think, 27 and 30. Is that correct? That's correct. That was two years ago. Awesome. Okay, great, great. So yes. what was your professional background uh, prior to you guys partnering? Uh, professionally, I'm a registered nurse with a specialized class. So uh, my specialty is working with the Aboriginal people of Canada and Northern Canada. Uh, so that would be considered outpost or remote nurse and nursing. And for me, um, in a past life, I was a math uh, professor. So I've actually taught from elementary school uh, all the way up to a uh, university at Concordia University in Montreal. Oh, okay, awesome. That's great. So what, what asset classes are you guys... I mean, you're focused on a number of different asset classes. What, what's your main focus? I know you're, you, you're in a, like seven different cities or something with short-term rentals, but for your our apartments and mobile home parks, or that is that your main focus? Right. So uh, real quick, because uh, we do a lot of things and you know that's not the important thing. But when it comes to residential, we like to focus um, in one city and that city is Cleveland, Ohio. So anything four units and under, we, you know, we, we've got a strong foothold there. Uh, when it comes to acquiring larger assets, so in apartments, if we're talking 25 units up or mobile home parks, 25 units up, it really doesn't matter. Right now, we have holdings in Ohio and Michigan, but we have all across the U.S. right now. The asset is large enough to sustain building a new team in any any location that we find a, an amazing deal in. And for short-term rentals, um, uh, really any asset class, we can help. Uh, we can help renters. We can help investors. We can even on, on the residential side, on the multifamily side, and even uh, I don't know, hotel. Mo- yeah, hotel hotel owners. Mobile home park operators. It doesn't matter. We can we can lend a hand in any asset class with this DR. So for the mo- uh, the the markets that you're focused in in the United States is mainly going to be Cleveland for your residential uh, multifamily, and then also for Michigan. Is that That's correct? Right. Okay. That's right. That's where we have the majority of our holdings right now, but we're always looking. What do you guys like about those markets? I've heard Cleveland a number of times. Yeah, I mean it's so. First of all, it's not too far from where we're at, so we're out of Ottawa and Montreal, so it's not too far. The other thing is, Ohio is a great landlord-friendly state, which is something that when we explored uh, the West, we, we fell in Ohio and we really like the, the landlord-friendly state. Um, the other thing is, you can get a lot of bang for your buck in Ohio. So Cleveland specifically, the, the rents are, are decently high for the amount of money out of pocket. So your cash rates and your cash on cash returns are, are high higher than the average uh, in, in the U.S. So that's why we really liked Ohio. And Michigan, similar, similar situation. And Jamie loves the lake, loves water. So Cleveland's right there. On Lake 
<laughs> the um, how do you guys normally find your properties? Is it off market? Do you have brokers in these select markets that you keep in touch with, or is it a little bit of both? Uh, definitely a little bit of both. So for for residential properties, um, and by residential I mean you know the, the single family homes, small multis, and small apartment mm-hmm. buildings. We uh, buy in in Ohio and Cleveland specifically. We, we do a lot of both. We do a lot of networking. We attend a lot of networking events as well. We've built a network of wholesalers that we work with and other local investors. And of course, we uh, dabble in the MLS as well. So we have some trusted real estate um, realtors on our team as well. And for the mobile home parks, mainly our offers are in the Midwest as it stands. But like I said, we do have quite a few across the US nationwide. But we really like the, the, the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, that, that section. And we've built a team of of brokers basically that we work with and they're specialized in mobile home parks. That's what we've been. And they're all, all off market deals. Okay, great. That's, that's the best way of doing it. Absolutely. (laughs) Where, what kind of teams do you guys have in place for, for putting everything together? I mean, in all the different markets. Yeah, well, definitely. uh, I mean, we we do have our power teams in the mobile home park district with our short-term rentals and with our long-term holdings. Yeah. So it's, it's different investment models depending on which company and what, what we're talking about. But uh, just to be to dive in maybe a little bit more specifically in what we do in Cleveland and the reason why we only do residentials like that's where we do uh, you know some residential flips that's where we we help some people uh, learn how to do real estate on the smaller deals in Cleveland um, it's because we have the team there us take a substantial amount of time to build a trusted team uh, just in our first year for example we brought two contractors and two property managers to court um, and you know. So you're going to kiss a lot of frogs before you, you end on a, on a prince or princess in my, in my case. But, um, absolutely. So if we're talking residential, we only do Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And, yeah. um, where, how are you uh, doing your financing? If a lot of the stuff's off market for the mobile home parks, uh, are you guys doing a lot of bank financing or I imagine the off market stuff, you are able to create some sort of seller financing situation. Right. All of the above. So for <laughs> Properties, we do, we have lenders that work with foreign nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loan to value is a little different, a little less than your typical uh, American citizen would get, mm-hmm. but it still works as long as your exit strategy, you know, is in place. Yeah. And cash flow is and there. And cash flow is good. So we basically have some lenders that are just cash flow uh, oriented. So, so long as the asset is cash flowing massively, well, they'll lend, uh, they're comfortable lending on it. So that works great because that's what we buy as well. We buy massive cash flow assets. So. Residential, multifamily, we have lenders for that, for that. And the mobile home parks as well. So mobile home parks typically will be uh, a mixture of creative financing with seller kits for the most part uh, on all the parks. And we have a broker, um, that basically, it, well, it's hard money, but there's specific lenders for mobile home parks. So we, you know. Yeah, it's usually you find uh, lenders will kind of have their own specialty of what they like lending to, and if you stay within that, then it's yep. you can you can do business with them. But uh, right. you guys don't syndicate any of your own deals at this point, is that correct? It's all yourself. Not, not at this point. Yeah, okay. we, we've basically been running ourselves, our own capital, but we do have a few partners, so we do partnerships, but we haven't. Okay. Okay. What are you looking to, when you do syndicate, what are you guys looking to focus on asset class to do? Is it going to be mobile home parks or larger multifamily or? Yeah, well, so just to maybe backstep just a little bit. So we did look at syndication quite a bit and we decided to put it uh, for the time being on the back burner. And that doesn't mean it's off the table forever. 
Um, but what, what we really like is our specialized knowledge in mobile home parks and the value add opportunities that it holds. So, so enough capital backing in that asset class, you can really make a big dent. Uh, for example, if you target mobile home parks with say 30% vacancy and all you need is to bring in another 20, 30 homes, well, you, that just doesn't happen overnight. You need capital, you need time, you need systems to make that happen. But once you do, that is income that's just coming out of nowhere and spending maybe $15,000 to buy a mobile home, hook it up, do some marketing for it. Well, that $15,000 investment, once rented, can correlate to a $30,000, $50,000 bump in the, its value. So um, that value add is very uh, predictable and it's your own efforts and your control. You're not waiting for the economy to go up. You're not waiting to increase rents. You're not waiting. Uh, you can, as soon as you spend that 15000 do a little bit of marketing, get a tenant, your value goes up tremendously in the asset class. Well, how long does it usually take when purchasing a mobile home park? Um, if you're, I imagine everything you do is you're adding value to it, just like you explained. Um, how long does it really take to get tenants into those parks? I mean, it's not just like renting an apartment. That's right. And that's why a lot of people ask that question. And we've come up with a little uh, trick or a little uh, ratio. It's a three, two, one park is filled. Three, two, one is the ratio at which uh, we recommend park operators to fill their parks. So it goes like this. For every three used mobile homes that you buy, from wholesalers, from wherever you find used mobile homes, you buy three of them like that. Average price in Michigan, you're talking maybe 10000 on a deal. And then uh, to hook it up and have everything done, maybe fifteen all in per home. So you do that three times and you mark it to fill it up. Next, um, you're going to apply with the 21st Mortgage Cash Program, which is basically Warren Buffett, 21st Corporation, buying brand new inventory from retailers and placing that inventory on your lot because you're the park operator. Then it becomes your job to sell the homes to the public. But in, so you have brand new inventory and so you're upping your park's uh, prestige at the same time. So you buy three used, Warren Buffett buys two, and then you try to market to have one person, convince one person to bring to your park. Okay. So often a mistake that operators do is that they buy a park and they say, I'm just going to start marketing and people are going to bring their homes on my park. Well, that's in fact, you know, wishful thinking, wishful thinking mm -hmm. for the park. Out of six, you can expect one to do that. And you need some pretty substantial marketing and, and incentives to have people move into your park. Yeah. I've heard like, I know down here in the Southeast, it's about $5,000 plus to just move the trailer. A short distance. So, I mean, it's, uh, I've heard other park operators as well, uh, were saying that they try to avoid buying, owning the actual trailers. But obviously, that's the fastest way of, of filling it up, like you just explained. It's, do you find a problem with the tenant base that's moving into, say, the older trailers? I imagine the newer trailers, you can kind of be a little bit more discerning on who you rent to. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's an excellent point. And yes, we follow that same model as well. Our goal is not to own the trailer. We might have to purchase the trailer, own it temporarily, but the goal is to sell it even at cost um, to get it off the books. But effectively, in the mobile home space, there's the home rent if you own the trailer and there's the lot rent. Really, we're a lot. 
So we just do everything we can to get homes, fill up the spaces, then sell them off even at cost so that we get the lot rent. Don't forget that mobile homes, it's a car. So it's a depreciating asset and things tend to break. So the maintenance on those tend to be quite high. That's, that's why most investors shy away from owning the homes and just basically get the lot rent because that's where the money is really is. How do you structure, say you have a used home, it's, uh, you said it was $15,000 after it's all connected. What is something like that? How would you structure that to a potential renter slash owner? It's very, very case by case. We okay. work as best we can so that we're not out of pocket and they can ultimately get in and start paying lot rent. So it becomes very creative. The beauty is obviously we can offer seller financing. We own these homes. We can, you know, we can work with them in, in that sense. There's also, I mean, Cash 20, the, the program, the first 21st century mortgage company has, has a specific program for mobile homes. So as an investor, you can't just go to, uh, the, the, uh, 21 mortgage and ask for a, a bank loan on a mobile home, except for the cash program. That's the other side of the program. But, but as, as an operator, you can't just ask for a $10,000 loan. But someone who's going to be actually purchasing the home can go through the, the, these types of programs and actually get financing on that specific home. So there's ways to not only do seller financing, but hook them up with specific lenders that do just mobile home uh, mortgages. So there's, there's ways around it. Yeah. And then that actually cashes out your money back and then you can right. re- restart your program. So that's, that's always right. it. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome, that's an awesome strategy. I've never, I've never heard of that before. And you guys obviously have used it and utilized it. So yes. <laughs> um, what size parks do you guys look usually look at um, when you're, when you're focusing on off market deals and stuff? When we got started, it really didn't matter uh, what size it was so long as we can get in for as little as possible. It cash flows nicely and there's value add. Those were kind of the criteria. Um, but we realized after, after doing it for a little while and when we were looking to refinance them on the backside, uh, we were having a hard time refinancing. And uh, we, we learned this by trial and error. So um, parks who appraise and who are valued above a million dollars once you're looking to refinance are going to be a lot easier to refinance. There's a lot more lenders um, that are willing to do that. So that's a consideration that we, we, we put in now that we might buy the park for $300,000. Um, but by the time we're done with it, we want it to appraise above a million because it opens up a lot more. If you're asking about our ideal park, we're looking at uh, over 100 lots and ideally with uh, public utilities. But we're not shocked. We're not afraid of the public utility of the private utilities. Uh, we were both, both both our parents have private utilities, so we're used to them. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, because I imagine if it's connected to city sewer and city water, that eliminates a lot of issues that you could that could come up. Um, where you were saying uh, just a minute ago, and I just lost train of thought, but you were talking about the financing. The same thing with apartments as well. You get it over a million, then you have like Fannie and Freddie. Now, or is this, is the lending that you would find a million dollar plus loan amount in the mobile home park? Is that similar to, is that a government backed US loan product like a Fannie or Freddie back kind of? Fannie and Freddie do do mobile home parks. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just above a million, but they definitely do mobile home parks above a million. And then there's different banks that will, or lenders that are specifically tailored to mobile home parks. Yeah. And those are, there are, there are brokers who specialize in that. There's not that many, but for those who are interesting, for some reason, the names, um, but the, um, 
the mobile home university have a good connection as well uh for for the financing bit and it's just um the name is 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 escaping me right now no it's just it's interesting when he gets over that amount because i've heard freddie or fanny they i didn't know if both of them were doing it but that's kind of the gold standard loan with any type of housing type of product but it's it's great that they do it for mobile home parks as well because mm-hmm. it just makes sure that the inventory out there is you can get good operators that are actually taking care of the property so um that's awesome the now i want to kind of shift gears a little bit because this is something that very much interests me and I, i've spoken to people at conferences about short-term rentals and you guys have them in eight different cities is that correct across the u.s and canada that's right wow so h- how does how does a system in place i mean obviously you're working with i imagine like airbnb and vrbo and how does that what kind of team on the ground do you need to handle that and how does that differ from like say your your small multifamily in cleveland right so those are excellent questions and the how we got started is basically we got started just in one city, Ottawa, uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, Canada's capital. And, uh, you know, that's where we, uh, just over two years now, we set out and we was, we want to learn how to do it well. And then we're going to learn how to add cities and what do we need to add cities, right? It's a big, uh, it's a big scaling, uh, obstacle. And what we realize is we need people on the ground. <laughs> Uh, with with very specific uh, responsibilities, so uh, we need someone who is going to look over the inventories. We're going to make sure the cleaners are doing their jobs. Uh, we need someone to on on, a, on an on call basis is available to go to the property if needed. Now, very very seldom do we need someone to go on the property um, on a non scheduled uh, basis. But I'm sure you're going to ask me a question in a couple of minutes that's going to counteract this. But uh, nonetheless, you need someone uh, there. So we call them our local listing managers. So SDR Properties is the main one. and They have local listing managers in every city it operates in. And in those cities, we can offer the full service hosting package. Um, otherwise, we'd have to offer a like an account manager. We can, we can manage anyone's Airbnb account and bring in... Um, some software boosts, you know, marketing boosts, uh, pricing boosts, calendar managements and all this. We can do that anywhere in the world as it is right now. No problem. But, um, in our eight cities, we can do a lot more. We can make it a full service hosting, which is really, really exciting for, for, for investors. So that'd be someone that lets them, lets them in, sets up the cleaning or has that arranged and everything, uh, looks at the unit, verifies it after the people leave that there's not any kind of damage or anything like that. That's kind of what that listing person is job is. Um, Almost not quite. So we systematize to be as hands off as possible. So all the check-ins are done remotely. We use electronic locks that are connected to internet. Uh, the guest receives their codes that are is only good between check-in and check-out. If they try to check-in before check-in, it's not going to work and vice versa. So so that's systematized as much as possible. If, for instance, the, the e-lock doesn't work properly, we have backups on, on, on place. So we could tell the guest, go in the back of the... Uh, well, in the backyard, for instance, you're going to see a, a lockbox, lock box, get the key, and then we'll send someone to change the batteries or something like that. So there's always backups to backups and everything that we do. Ultimately, the, the listing manager is there to find more listings. Yep. So that's, that's their number. <laughs> we give them a piece of the pie. We give them a percentage of profits. So that's their incentive. They go out and find more listings. Um, we have a cleaning company that has, that supervises. So basically, a clean company that comes in, 
We'll do the, the cleanings and make sure everything's okay. They'll also usually do the inventories as well. But yes, the listing manager is responsible to make sure that things are well taken care of. And if anything is missing, then they're the ones basically to go pick it up. Although again, we've systematized a lot of the things. So all the cleaning supplies, everything is sent to the property once a month. It's, everything is the same everywhere. So they just have to pick it up, drop it off to the property and then move on with their lives. So it's, it's, it's a very nicely done system where we're, we're very much systematized and hands off as much as possible. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, well, just to answer the question, maybe in a bit less words, the local <laughs> listing manager is there to supervise the cleaners, inventory, and be the emergency point. There you go. I see a lot of that changing as I do Airbnb and you get there and it's all... It, which I kind of like better because after you're traveling the whole day, the last thing you want to do is um, speak to the storm for 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, right. But <laughs> the the thing is, um, do all the properties now for short-term rentals... Now, you say you can go and you can handle... I imagine you don't own all these, correct? You're, you're, you have someone that owns them or your partner and you guys are splitting fees. Is that kind of how that works? Or? That's right. So, so we do have our own with our own properties. But we also partner with investors and homeowners that want to get Airbnb or have short-term rentals in their homes, their, their spare bedroom or their apartment buildings. And so we partner and we basically just take a percentage like a management company. And how does it like for the difference between, I mean, uh, you're not going to have every 30 days, every day of the month rent it out. How does a normal return when you're selling it to someone that you can help them do it? What does it differ? Say like you had a, you have a two, two that rents for 1300, 1400 or whatever. And now with your service, less people in there, less days occupied. How does that work on returns normally? Yep, absolutely. So SCR's value proposition to investors is if we can't increase your bottom line by 30 to 50%, we're going to be very upfront about that. And we're just going to say, well, probably not the best solution for you. We want to at least increase your bottom line by 30% by working with your us. Your bottom NOI. And in terms of occupancy, our goal is to basically... Our goal is to optimize its occupancy. So across all our portfolio, we have an occupancy rate of over 90%. Keep in mind that market average occupancy is usually in the 60%. So we are really, we know how to optimize. We know how to work the booking channels. We know how to become the preferred partners, say on booking.com or Superhost on Airbnb, or, you know, we know how to, to get the best ranking on the platforms. Plus, we know how to play with pricing exceptionally well and to, to Increase revenue and maximize occupancy. That's really the benefit that we we go in. It's the the difference in sixty percent occupancy and ninety percent occupancy. That's where you really get the short term rental benefit, and that's where we can we can come in and, and go get. Yeah, the super host thing. I mean, that's that's great to have and to be able to. Uh, what a selling point when someone looks at it because if you're you, know, you don't want to waste time and you find someone and this is this is like a, a legitimate company and it's a legitimate. It's not just their mom and pop and with who knows what kind of reviews or anything like that. So exactly. When you guys are looking, when you guys are working with short term rentals, where you put it through your software, someone gives you a potential property and how? What's the difference where you see like obviously it's a thirty percent that if you can't reach, but is there anything else that you look at that you say, well, that's probably not going to fit into our system? Mm -hmm. Well, for once, the neighborhood. So, so the first thing we do is we ask a, percent, a potential owner to send us their address. From there, we're connected with the back office of VRBO or Airbnb and those kinds of software. So we can pull out some market data and see how much your property on average can rent on these softwares. So we're, we're going to do some market research and make sure it makes sense. 
Now, like Kyle said, most of the time, the average occupancy for most hosts is about between 15 and 60%. We try to maximize that as much as possible, and we try to increase occupancy as much as we can. So we're connected to the back end of these booking platforms. So we can extract the data of comparable listings in your neighborhood. So just on, like on our website, you can put in our, your address and we'll produce a complimentary report. And it literally says your listing should be producing, your, your two bedroom apartment should be producing $20,000 of income in the next 12 months. We can provide that information and we do complimentary to people who are interested in, uh, in onboarding their listing with us. And then from there, we'll take a look at the neighborhood. That's what I was saying. So, so the neighborhood, and if, if it's like a sketchy neighborhood where, you know, it's more of a hood area, you definitely don't want to manage there. We just would not want to send guests in areas where we would not be comfortable. So we're not going to be taking on properties that we feel is dangerous or unsafe for guests. So, and then the other thing is, if there's no data whatsoever, we'll just be upfront with the owners and disclaim that there's just no data for us to base ourselves on. So we're going to do our best to increase, you know, uh, to maximize occupancy and to maximize profit, but we just have no guarantee. And I imagine when you get that report back from Airbnb or VRBO of, say, the $20,000 in 12 months, you can then base it that, hey, with our system, with our team, with how we, you know, our algorithm, we can get that to whatever number, you know, 30% higher or something like this. So. Okay. From that point on, it becomes very case by case. And it's just a conversation at that point. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the property. So a lot of properties have just these special amenities, special perks, and that obviously is attractive to uh, travelers. So every listing is unique. Okay. Awesome. So I want to touch on one thing here with your, you guys do a lot of meetups, coaching, a bus tour in uh, Cleveland. <laughs> uh, tell us all about your, uh, your coaching and your teaching that you have going on with people. I guess you do it both in Canada and then also in the United States. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Our, our focus is remote investing, how to run real estate, a real estate business or businesses like we're doing uh, completely remotely and successfully. And so uh, we, we do teach people how to do that. Here in Montreal, we have a, a monthly meetup. It's, it's free. It's called Remote U.S. Real Estate Investing. So very in line with, uh, with yeah, what this podcast is all about. And so anybody in Montreal, every fourth Thursday of the month, we meet up. And we just we have a new topic every day, guest speakers sometimes. And it's just purely educational and creating that, that networking power. So that's in Montreal. Um, JK's epic bus tour, um, that you just mentioned, where actually, um, it'll be after tomorrow is the next one. That's super exciting. That's in Cleveland. That's always in Cleveland where people fly into Cleveland and we take them on a weekend tour. Uh, so we, we present deals, uh, different properties, different asset classes within, say, a flip. We show, uh, like the gutted, the in rehab, and listed for sale, like at different phases of the project as well. So they get to, they get to see Cleveland, its suburbs, and we, we try to give the best taster possible of the city. And then they get to meet our teams. So contractors, property managers, realtors, we give them access to lawyers. So it's a very, very comprehensive and it's a great taster as to what U.S. real estate is all about or even out of state investing. Yeah. We look to do it twice a year. Wow. That's a, that's pretty, that's, it's great. I imagine every, the majority of people are Canadian that go on the tour. And if everybody, uh, a lot of them are, are Canadian, but we've had a few out of state, New Jersey, Florida, uh, New York, Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is Ohio. Yeah, but it's still, still out of, 
<laughs> no, it's just because if you're doing your meetups in an area, it's easier to... I have a friend that does meetups in California for investing into the Midwest and nice. in the Southeast. And it's pretty easy because you, you're not going to make any money investing into like apartments in Southern California. So the thing yeah, is absolutely. when you're... So it's... You know, you, you have people I imagine from all over that are going to his meetups, even if they're just they're visiting there in business. But so how can I'll put all the links in the bottom of the, the podcast and the YouTube notes. So where you have the meetup, there'll be a, I'll put a link in there. And then for your other companies, do you want to explain exactly uh, which ones those will be like STR is the short term rentals. And then that's right. What was the other company you have? So um, Women's Properties, STR Properties and JK's Real Estate Partners. Okay. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. So I'll put all that information together at the bottom of the, uh, in the bottom of the notes. And, um, if there's anything else you want to add, just send me an email while I'm putting it together. But uh, I want to thank you guys for being on the show today. It's great to have you. And thank you very much for going through everything in regards to mobile home parks and uh, short term rentals. Thank you thank very you much. So much. I would like to just, um, to just for the end, if people do want to reach out for STR, str-properties.com. That's our website. You can just punch in your, your property's address and you'll get the compliment, complimentary report right there. Otherwise, the best ways to get in touch with us, uh, Facebook at jks.adventure or on our nowfortomorrow.club. That's the URL where, uh, amongst so much other things and all of our events, um, you can download our free ebook. JK's roadmap to your first million, one property at a time. So this basically outlines the steps that we, that we took ourselves in our very first year, our very first year of real estate investing. We aimed to buy 10 and we fell short at eight, but that's eight more than most people you'll ever meet. And so this is, these are the steps that we did. It goes through the Burr model, how to buy white, buy right. What is Mao, your maximum allowable offer? It gives checklists and tools, mindset in there. So it's really the the go to for uh, for someone who's just looking to get started. Highly, highly recommended. Now for tomorrow.club and you can download your free book. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I have that link here, so I'll make sure I I do have that, and I'll put that in the bottom right for you guys. And then I have your Facebook profiles as well. So awesome. anybody wants to get in touch with you, they won't have any issue. So awesome. Well, thank you very much for everything. You guys have a great rest of your day, and right back um, at you. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hi, guys. This is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.